get fired up. Oh yeah! Performance, Performance enhancing, enhancing audio. audio. This is the State of Combat Podcast with Brian Campbell. Oh yeah, you hear that theme song. It gets you fired up. It's the SOC. Back at it. Mixed martial arts for the second time this week. Look, it's a busy week. We broke things down, of course, with Hall of Famer Rashad Evans on Tuesday. Looking back at the flyweight uh, bowl we had over there at UFC Abu Dhabi. A preview, of course, of this weekend's Till Whitaker card. But there's also some Bellator back in the building. First card since February after that uh, that last card in March got canceled the day of amid the uh, the beginning of that coronavirus outbreak and quarantine. Bellator's back this Friday. Bellator 242 It's going to take place inside of that new Mohegan Sun Arena bubble in Uncasville, Connecticut. Same place we're going to see Showtime Boxing with uh, eight or actually nine cards in total over the next five months beginning August 1st. Bellator expected to have some type of residency in that same building and it will start this Friday night, July 24th. As mentioned, Ricky Bandejas, Sergio Pettis in that main event. It's going to be a Bantamweight banger. Can't wait. And to break it down, uh, we're going to have Big John McCarthy on this show today. Uh, you know, the greatest referee of all time. Uh, you know, a strong broadcasting career. He's building alongside it and a, uh, a real ambassador of the sport and one of the voices of Bellator along with, uh, you know, the great Moral Ronaldo, Mike Goldberg. So always a lot to talk with Big John about. And we're going to do that on today's episode. Uh, thanks for the support out there. For all things SOC of late, we're back with the box this week. Had unbeaten Virgil Ortiz Jr. on, who comes back on Friday. And also just looked at the rollout of this big PBC on Showtime announcement uh, that boxing is back in a big way. So check out what we do over there on the Sweet Science Show, Rafe Bartholomew and myself. And uh, yeah, five-star review. Look, if you got the fever inside of you, if you like the, the, the feels that you get in your ear hole from this show, please pay it back with a five-star review wherever, wherever, look, wherever you consume fine audio. Uh, fired up, as always, going on vacation next week. So, uh, you know, you're going to hear a little pause in the BC cause across the board. Uh, still going to hit you with some SOC, Rashad Evans. We back. Look, somebody's got to break down Till Whitaker, uh, a big fight card in the UFC, and look ahead to next week where we have a new main event in that UFC fight night card back in Vegas. No more Holly Holm, Irene Aldera, due to her positive Irene's positive COVID test. So uh, Edmund Shabazian, that that red hot middleweight prospect, working with uh, head movement himself over there, Edmund Tarverdian, and managed by Ronda Rousey. So uh, he's got that big fight with Derek Brunson that we all wanted to see. This is an absolute strict test, and a uh, three-round main event here on late notice. Can't wait to see that Rashad's going to be back. But uh, looking forward on vacation, uh, as always, right? To unplug, we say that, yet rarely do we on vacations, right? I'm going to do it this time, okay? Going to unplug Lake House, family, dogs, Throw around the balls, get on the uh, pontoons, so to speak, and, uh, you know, get introspective. Crack some cold ones, put on the 90s alternative rock, whatever, you know, jam band, whatever we got to do here, and just uh, bust out and relax. So hopefully you can do the same this summer, whether you're on vacation or not. And uh, another PSA, uh, please take care of yourself mentally. This uh, this quarantine, it, it ain't easy, and there's levels and layers to this, and just when you think you got it figured out, you don't. So be honest with yourself, take care of yourself, treat yourself well. Uh, yeah, let's win. Let's win at that. Okay, we can win at that. Depend, you know, regardless of your situation, we can get through this. 
And uh, little sprinklets of normal life coming back. Love the boxing. Love the return of Bellator. Love all of that. Love me some Big John McCarthy as well coming up shortly. Um, I did want to talk to you, though, quickly about this. Uh, baseball folks, you know, the, the old, uh, the old ball game, it's back. It's back this week in a big way. Uh, opening day, Thursday, July 23rd. And you better believe that the CBS Sports Fantasy Baseball Today pod has you covered, uh, in a major way. Whether you're fired up to watch the Yankees, the Yankees take on, uh, defending champion Washington Nationals, or you're only fired up about your own fantasy lineup, I want you to check out what Scott White, Chris Towers, Adam Azer, and Frank Stamfel are doing over there at the, uh, FBT pod. Fantasy Baseball Today getting you ready for this 60 game sprint season, as well as everything you need for your week one matchups. You can find this podcast wherever you download top quality audio. Thank you. All right. If you want to, please tell them BC sent you. Uh, any, any news that we got to break through? Not much, not much in the MMA world from what we saw on Tuesday. Um, Pretty good Bellator card, man. You got to give them a tip of the cap. You never know when someone's coming back, given budget, given lack of a, a live gate in terms of what uh, what the product's going to look like. We've seen that in boxing with the top-ranked summer series where it was more about let's just fill these dates. But uh, a pretty decent Bellator card here. I mean, Sergio Pettis is fresh off a, a great-looking win in his Bellator debut. And he's going to all, you know, you're always going to have your hands full with a guy like Ricky Mendejas who comes in there to, uh, to do things just like that upset knockout of James Gallagher just a couple years back. We got Jason Jackson and Jordan Mean, Mean, the, the former UFC talent in a, in a lightweight bout. Taiwan Claxton back here against JJ Wilson. And to round out the main card, it's featherweight Aaron Pico taking on Solo Hatley. And, uh, look. Uh, Pico is, is one of those stories that you, you, you gotta continue to watch and it, and it matters and the talent is there. The fights are fun, but the flaws are there. The intent, you know, the, uh, the, uh, they've been heartbreaking, but there's holes in that game and we're watching him walk it out in a very public way. It's still just 23 years old. Uh, he feels at home. You heard him on this podcast just a couple months back at Jackson Wink in New Mexico. Got the family feel, got the, uh, Got it where he's understanding things for the first time, not just reacting as being a great athlete or having had great success on, you know, the amateur level across the board. Now he's acting a professional and in the headspace, really growing mature. I mean, five and three is, is a rough start, of course, for anyone when you come in with that type of, uh, pomp and circumstance behind you. But, uh, I like what he's done. I like when he commits to the wrestling more like he did in his last win in January of this year. When he knocked out Daniel Carey in the second round, you saw more patience. Does he get hit too much? Still, yes, he does. But uh, if he can be looking wrestling first, uh, you have to believe a year from now, you're going to be talking more about, man, if, 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 if Pico can run back any of those three losses now, he's going to win them all. And then I hope he gets to that point. And I hope he obviously gets to the, the dreams and goals he has to one day hold a pro boxing world title and a major MMA belt at the exact same time. That look, we haven't seen that, you know, we've seen guys cross over for celebrity type ish. We haven't seen yet someone who can come in and kind of Bo Jackson or Deion Sanders us on the same level across the board in boxing and MMA and at the elite level, you know, so that that's going to be pretty interesting if he can do that, but that's more of a, you know, another day, another year, maybe another decade conversation. The guy's so stinking young. Um, hopefully he can max himself out now. Uh, we'll see what's going to happen. We'll see what Big John thinks about this matchup coming in. Um, 
UFC still rocking and rolling. We're seeing a lot of fight announcements and reveals and uh, postponements, but instant corrections, upgrades at times. Uh, they're bringing it. They're bringing it in a big way. And this this Saturday's card, as we broke down earlier this week, a lot of intrigue, man. Not just everything about that middleweight uh, main event bout, Darren Till, Kelvin Gastelum, and the title implications there. But you you, you got to see what Gust- Alexander Gustin is going to look like at heavyweight. I just went back last night, in fact, on Fight Pass and rewatched his very close title loss to DC, Daniel Cormier. And uh, I mean, by the way, that's a sneaky great fight. I know it wasn't like the same sustained level of action across all five rounds. So it's, it doesn't end up in, in certain conversations. It's a respected fight, but it, but it's a greatly respected fight because they were tough as balls. The technique was high and they both had to go through a lot in that fight. And, you know, you could argue that was the last time we saw a super, super elite version of Alexander Gustafson. And, you know, you wonder if the time off in the new weight class can, can really give him new life. And we went deep on that earlier this week with Rashad. And it's just a very interesting uh, potential math experiment here. All right. Cause 33 and light heavyweight is, is getting old. If you got, if you got a lot of mileage on there, 33 at heavyweight though. Hey, Hey, you're, you're a baby, you know, let's go figure this sport out together. So we'll see how that one plays out indeed. But uh Bellator uh, lost a car, lost a fight ahead of the 242 here. The heavyweight bout Steve Mowry against uh, Raz Hilton got, Got, uh, I'm sorry, against uh, Rudy Shafroth. And with Mowry pulling out due to a positive COVID test, they did replace that Raz Hilton going to slide in there. But Steve Mowry was the guy who trains down there at uh, Hard Knocks 365, or now Sanford MMA, that Brandon Wise, who you've heard on this show, used to go down there as a uh, civilian and train at Hard Knocks and see Big Steve going out there. Tough to see him uh, take that last-minute L and have to pull himself with the test. We've seen that a lot more in... uh the bo- you know the bubble in in Las Vegas where top ranked boxing has been put on fights they've done a you know a decent job there but they've lost a lot of fights due to positive tests UFC here and there but you know we can keep pulling all these uh, fight sports off with no crowd if if that bubble's tight so I don't want to necessarily be in those bubbles and take seventeen COVID tests a week and have people scrape my brain but uh, you know it's it's coming for me too eventually I'll do it if I have to so. Hopefully everyone is staying safe there. Uh, why don't we get into Big John McCarthy time? Here's what we're going to do. Take a pause for the cause. Have you hear from our word from our friends and sponsors a word from them both? Come back on the other end with, uh, you know, one of the iconic faces and personalities and, and uh, characters of the sport. The great Big John McCarthy. I think you're going to enjoy it. All right. We'll be back on the other side. Dig it. John, great to speak with you, man. Let me bring in the greatest referee in mixed martial arts history. John, I don't get to go around saying I'm the greatest at anything. Um, that's a that's a sword you can, you can carry that with you if you want. That's a sword for you. <laughs> well, thank you much, but it, it's not much of a sword. It's pretty short and pretty blunt. <laughs> uh, it's a matter of I enjoyed my time in doing what I did as a referee. Hopefully, I made a difference in the sport, and it's uh. There's a lot of guys out there doing it very well. Absolutely. And also not that bad at the broadcasting game either with Bellator or as an ambassador for this great sport. John McCarthy, back in business are the folks uh, in Bellator at Mohegan Sun this weekend, Friday night, 242. How good does it feel, given all the craziness and quarantine and all that crap, to be uh, getting back to uh, getting it on? I will tell you, it feels damn good. I am happy to be back. I'm happy to 
just to walk into the Mohegan Sun Arena, I used to tell people all the time as a referee, one of the greatest gifts you got was not the pay, not anything. It was priceless to be able to walk into the arena, walk down to the cage, look around and be part of a great sport like MMA. And so after all this time in the layoff, just being able to walk into that area where they're going to have the fights and see things, it felt so good just to see that. And it's, a, it's still a day away, but I cannot wait. Yeah, absolutely. And look, a, a damn good card, too. Headlines by, uh, headline by Bantamweights, Ricky Bandejas, Sergio Pettis. Uh, when I see two names like that on paper, John, I got I to gotta think fireworks. Oh, no doubt about it. You take a look at, you know, Sergio Pettis and what he's been doing uh, lately, just in his career. You know, he's so young, Brian. People do not give this kid credit for what he's done at such a young age and against the competition because, you know, he's taken on the guys that, you know, Henry Cejudo has proven he's one of the best in combat sports ever. You know, and he has a loss to him. Uh, it was a decision loss, but he's beaten guys like Benavides. He's beaten, you know, Tyson Nam. He came into Bellator and he put on an incredible performance against Alfred Kashakian. You know, getting a guillotine choke win, but it was the punching that set it up that hurt Kashakian, and it was Sergio Pettis' fight IQ that told him, "Don't freaking go for the ground and pound in the situation. Grab that neck that's available." and he got the guillotine, he choked him unconscious. He is the real deal. He's only getting better, and he's going to be great here in Bellator. Yeah, just 26 years old, fresh off that debut. Uh, Ricky Bandejas, no slouch, though. I don't know what it is, John, about uh, Bantamweight, Featherweight. Bellator seems to find uh, the you know top-quality, world-class guys here. Uh, he's got a lot to prove as well coming in against a big name. You know, I feel bad for, for Ricky in the fact that every time he's fought, they brought him in to Bellator to fight James Gallagher. That was his first fight, and he put on an incredible performance. He knocked James Gallagher, who was undefeated at the time, knocked him out, hit him with that sidekick to the face. It was just, you know, a beautiful performance. Then he fought Juan Archuleta, who at the time was, I think, 21-1. and one. You know, when he fought him and lost a close decision, but had his time. The only time that Ricky has had any problems as far as, you know, did not, as we say, show up, made the mistake was against Patchy Mitt. And he got beat with a rear naked choke, but then came back against Ahmet and had a beautiful right hook, you know, as he's moving backwards to knock him out. Knocked out Franz Malambo in Ireland in Malambo's backyard since he, you know, trains at SBG and it was a left hook with a bunch of hammer fists that put him away. He's, he's dangerous with his hands and he is super long for the weight class. It's going to be interesting to see him and how Pettis tries to get in on Bandejas without getting hurt. Yeah, absolutely. A uh, lot to prove for both. Uh, Bandejas, two straight knockouts. Uh, like you mentioned, he's on a good run here after those two defeats. A uh, lot, of, lot of matchups we could focus on, but I think anytime Aaron Pico's back, it, it's it's drama. It's reality TV. He's one of the you know brightest young talents we've ever seen, but it's been a roller coaster for him. Uh, what's this kid's demeanor like to be able to deal with you know, I mean, I mean, one loss when you're that big of a prospect could have killed anybody. But here's a guy who keeps reloading, keeps going back to the gym to figure things out. It would seem he would have those intangibles you would need to be able to come back from these setbacks. 
I think you're absolutely right. It's so hard for people look at someone like Aaron and he came in with such, you know, so many accolades behind him. And there was so much, you know, speculation about what this kid could do when he came into the world of MMA. But people don't realize, you know, he had so much to learn. And even he, it's one of those things, Brian, you don't know what you don't know until you know. Right. And I think Aaron right now is in that position. He didn't realize how much he did not know about MMA and thought that his skill sets of boxing and, you know, Olympic level wrestling could just, you know, come into MMA and take over. Well, it's the ability to blend those together and to transition and to know when to turn it on and when to hold back. If you don't know those things, you can get yourself in trouble. And that's what happened with Pico is he didn't know. And so he's out there fighting basically one element, you know, a one element fight at a time. I think he now knows. I think he's in a camp that has shown him exactly what he needs to do to transition, how he needs to take, you know, moments and either step on the gas pedal or hold back because now this isn't the right moment. I look at a, there's an old champion, Carlos Newton, who was the you know, UFC welterweight champion and, you know, beat Pat Militich, Pat Militich, who was the very first welterweight champion, took his title. You know, at one time, Carlos Newton was four and three. Then he was five and three. Wow. And so Aaron Pico is the same thing. And I look at Aaron Pico and he can still absolutely, he has the skill set to be a world champion. He just needs to increase that fight IQ. And his last fight showed that he was doing that. I think this fight, he's either going to show that it's increasing or he's back to being the same guy that's a one element fighter, great at those elements, but can't put them together. I think this is the fight that he's going to show that he's moving in the right direction and will someday be a world champion. Yeah, and let's not forget, I mean, on a parallel, someone like Rose Namajunas was something like 5-3 and three when she went in to finally win the UFC women's uh, strawweight title. So records can always be deceiving. You can learn a lot from that. Uh, I like his commitment to wrestling. I like his his positive uh, affirmations he's getting from the new team in New Mexico, Jackson Wink. But what kind of threat is Solo Hatley at this point to exposing some of those vulnerabilities we'd seen? You know, Solo, it's, it's about athleticism. And obviously, Aaron Pico is a dynamite athlete. And he's facing a guy who matches up very well, especially in the speed department. I will tell you, I haven't seen many people in the fight game that I can say are faster than Solo Hatley. He is so fast and speed kills. And his, his last fight, you know, it, it was his first fight in Bellator, but his last fight was against Gaston Bolanos, who was a world champion in Muay Thai, a dynamite stand-up fighter. And you saw Hatley taking him on in the stand-up game, but then transitioning into taking him down at times, beating him up on the ground, being a smart fighter, He's going to have to be very, very careful about when he decides to shoot because shooting in on a, on a guy like Gaston Bolanos and taking him down is a completely different aspect than doing it to a guy that has the wrestling pedigree of an Aaron Pico. But in MMA, when someone is throwing their hands, they can be in a position where they're out of position or off balance and the takedown is there for you. He can get it, but he's got his hands full with Aaron Pico you know, this is a kid who's super fast, super strong. He's got endurance. 
He's a good fighter. He's got a record of eight and two, I believe, maybe nine and two now. He is in a position where this fight can elevate him, and he knows that. And he believes that he can touch Pico's chin, and he thinks, you know, Pico has a weak chin. We'll see if he's right. All right, all right. Uh, we mentioned earlier you're, you, I, me self uh, knighting you as the GOAT referee. I mean, look, next time the wife tells you to take out the trash, reminder, you're the greatest in the world at what you do. But you get to work with guys who have been called the GOATs in, uh, in, in the great Omar Ronaldo, of course, Goldie, the great Mike Goldberg as well. These might be, you know, the two greatest men to call fights at all time, but they're drastically different in style and approach. What's the difference between working with each legend? Oh, it's completely different. And you're right. They're both, you know, they're both so good at what they do. They just do it in a different fashion. Goldie is, is the guy who he's been there, done that. And he's so prepared and he you know has everything in place for, you know, the show to make sure that he covers and gives the insight on the fighters that needs to be done. And he's so, he's so easy to work with as far as the way he, you know, he'll set you up to, you know, make, to make, you know, calls and, and explain situations. Goldie's the ultimate professional. Morrow is the guy Man, you never know what's going to come out of his mouth at times, and sometimes you got to hold back from laughing, and you got to hold back, you know, from you know just the the comments that he makes that come off of the top of his head. He doesn't have those things, you know, just you know prepared, and he's looking at everything comes off of the top of Morrow's head. He's a savant. He's a genius when it comes to being able to say things, read things, and at times you got to find a space to talk within what you know Morrow is doing but they're both, they have both taught me so much and they're both so fun to work with. I am a, I'm in a great position working with two of the greatest to ever call fights. Yeah. And more obviously, uh, it's probably the best we've ever seen at, at one part of the fight game, which is going from zero to 60 on a call when the moment matters, calling the big knockout and having the words to frame it. I mean, can we catch a, a secondhand high sitting next to Morrow in those moments? The energy's got to be pretty high. Oh my God. He's, you know, he does some, sometimes he'll say something. I just look at him like, where did you come up with that? Right. But you know, he had, there was the, the, the heavyweight grand prix had Fedor against Mir and Fedor knocked Mir out and Fedor's walking away. And, and I'm like, Oh my God. Right. And Morrow starts talking. He says, if you don't know, now you know, that's the goat. And you just look and you go, how did you just come up with just that line? Yeah. You know, he's, he's amazing. Absolutely. Uh, before I let you go, John, great chatting with you as always. I mentioned you're kind of like an ambassador for the sport. And, and uh, you know, there's a responsibility and a, and a respect in there. And you get asked questions like this all the time. But I'll ask it to you again in, in, in 60 seconds or less. How do we fix MMA scoring? If we're using the old boxing 10-9 scoring system, how can we improve that? You know, I will tell you the scoring is, is it's way better than it's ever been, but we, we want perfection. And in wanting perfection, we are pushing our judges to always be perfect. That's what we expect. That's what we want. And that's what, you know, we've got to always strive for. Education is the number one thing, getting these guys to utilize the criteria and understand that it doesn't matter what they like. It matters what the criteria says is the important part. What is effective in a fight? Fights are not about who looks better. Fights are about who, who is the one doing more damage, who is the one trying to finish the fight, not control the fight, not get to a decision. Who's the one that is actually 
fighting and doing damage to their opponent. Once we get judges all in line with that, and that's just through education, we're going to have things a lot better. Hopefully so. I mean, you know, people are like, let's go to pride rules. Let's not even score fights. I mean, you'll get some wild ways to fix it, but uh, hopefully we well, can I, get there. I can tell you, I've actually done fights where they said, okay, we're not going to do any judges' decisions. If the fight doesn't come to a finish, we're just going to say it's a draw. And those that, that happened, and every fan was pissed off because they saw one fighter dominating another fighter, and then in the end, I'm raising both fighters' hands, and they're like, that's bullshit. And so there's no perfect, but we always have to strive to be better. Absolutely. Uh, John, I hear great things about a podcast you're on these days. Uh, admittedly, I haven't heard it yet. I want to check it out. Can you can you pump it for a second? Oh, absolutely. Thank you for uh, bringing it up, man. I hope you you uh, tune in and listen. I have a podcast with Josh Thompson. It's We call it Weighing In, and we weigh in on fights. And all we talk about is MMA. We talk about the structure of MMA. We talk about the different promotions we talk about every promotion out there we talk about fighters from every promotion because all fighters are important and they're all good it doesn't matter what promotion you're fighting in uh there's great fighters around the world and we just sit there and have a we we just shoot the shit about you know what's going on in the world there's people that are going to you know side with a certain promotion and, and think that we're you know putting that promotion down at times that's never the case we love all promotions. We try to pump all promotions. If someone, if a promotion does a good thing, we are there to pump them up. If we think a promotion does a bad thing, we're going to say why we think it's bad and why it's bad for the fighters or bad for the sport. We just have a good time. If you can uh, check that out, subscribe to it. I would love to have every new listener we can have. Yeah, it's the most recommended I, uh, among MMA circles. I hear it getting dropped constantly. So it's about time I join in the Army as well. Hey, Big John McCarthy, we'll see you. Bellator 242 Friday night, Paramount Network. Great chatting with you as always, sir. Good talking with you, Brian. You take care, man. All right, special thanks to the great John McCarthy there. Uh, good chat. Good, very interesting chat right there with him. Uh, ahead of this card and about MMA in general, I think that's the type of guy who's got such great ideas on things like scoring and obviously refereeing and stuff like that, but specifically the the issue with scoring. And, you know, he's entered into that, that role where he's sort of a Jeff Blatnick-like ambassador. You know, he helped write the, the rule book in a way. I mean, he was there since UFC 2 as the main referee. So, you know, no one's got a grasp of history for having been there like John McCarthy, but I don't think anyone is, is as uniquely skilled to uh, have a strong opinion on, on how the sport should change. And uh, even though UFC greatly benefits compared to boxing from the idea of having one league and one promoter and, and, you know, everybody drinks out of the same pool there, even UFC has to be a member of the larger state sanctioning woes. And, you know, I, I've been outspoken how I think it's ridiculous that different states use different MMA rules. How are the fighters going to, you know, I mean, and you're in the heat of the battle in the fight and you forget, oh, we're in that state, so it's different rules for a down fight. Like, they shouldn't have to deal with that crap. And I would like to see a more organized front from the, uh, you know, the state commissions on the MMA side where you can, you know, get a guy like John McCarthy and get his ear, hear his thoughts and maybe try to implement some of this stuff across the board. So we can just get away from having, I don't know, these situations that look bad. Boxing has a lot of bad situations, bad scorecards, bad, you know, controversies and stuff. And it's become like expected within the sport. You don't want high level MMA to get there where you're just waiting for a guy to get screwed over on the cards, whether it's ineptitude, uh, whether it's, uh, 
having a different understanding of the scoring criteria or whether it's outright corruption. You don't want any of that to deal with that. So uh, I'd like to see some of those changes uh, made ultimately. But Bellator 242 going to take place, of course, this Friday night. Uh, Paramount Network, it seems like all things Bellator DAZN is behind us. There's been no official announcement there, but uh, it seems like they're mutually sort of ready to go their separate ways. Uh, you know, this is all now Bellator being owned by Viacom CBS, which, of course, uh, you know, is the parent company of what I do at CBS Sports, what I do with Showtime Sports. So, you know, in some ways we're all uh, bloodlined here, but it would be nice to see. If uh, if Bellator can have a you know a home on Showtime down the road, we Showtime had such a great relationship with Scott Coker through the work they did with Strikeforce, and you know before that with uh, Elite XC, that uh, that'd be a nice feather in the Showtime cap cap, and uh, you know Viacom CBS as a whole if that happens. But for now, Paramount Network Friday night for this Bellator two forty two card. Uh, you know, you hear the rumors about that August 7th Bellator 243 card with the Michael Chandler Benson Henderson rematch. Uh, that, that's a must see card. If we can, if that ends up being the case, I'd like to see that. I, you know, I couldn't have gotten luckier here living a little bit more than an hour outside of the uh, casino bubble there in rural Connecticut with, uh, Mohegan Sun and, uh, Foxwoods, uh, to have this entire both Bellator and potential Showtime Championship boxing uh, pandemic bubble literally in my backyard. That that ain't bad. That might fire me up to uh, ball up, man up, brave up, and let them put the uh, five-inch swab, you know, to the back of my brainstem and tickle it a little. I, you know, I, I'm not into that. I'm sorry. I'm just not, just not really into that, you know? You can say what you want about me. I still wear the mask. I still do all the safety, but uh, not really into that part of it. But uh, who knows? We'll see, you know? You, you want you want me to take that test, pay me to do it, okay? Put me on your damn broadcast. You'll see me there. We'll see. We'll see about that. <laughs> uh, fired up, as always. Thanks to John McCarthy for joining us. Hopefully you uh, check out what we're doing here each week. Myself, Rashad Evans, every Tuesday, breaking things down. Instant analysis after the big cards. Uh, we, we give it to you. SOC style, okay? Uh, you know, we, we always back. Trust me. We always back with a new one, back with a bang. And by the way, big things to come. In the future on this podcast and CBS Sports' uh, coverage of combat sports in general. So please stay with us. Be sure you're checking out CBS Sports HQ. Your, uh, look, could it get any easier to have a 24-7 up to the second sports network live all the time on your phone, on your, uh, you know, your iPad, on your TV, on your smart TV, whatever, uh, and it's free. All right, so if you don't know what's going on in CBS Sports HQ, you need to get woke. That's all you need right there, all sports and uh, a nice a nice little uh, combat uh, niche we're, we're figuring out there. Rashad Evans, myself, uh, you know, love what we're doing over there. Uh, that's the show for this week at State of Combat on the Twitter at B. Campbell CBS. Uh, keep your head up, all right? Uh, find things that make you happy during the season. You know what I did? I connected back to to the past. I uh, Back to uh, the 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 long past. I bought myself uh, my first record player I've ever owned. So I'm spinning vinyl now, by the way, spinning vinyl, uh, not a, not a cheap endeavor in the end. Uh, it, just the records are so expensive, but uh, they're worth it when you just want to not put on background music. You want to grab an album and you want to have a moment with it, right? You want to make love to it in, in a weird way. You want to just endure it. Like you want to treat it with the respect that you would treat a movie. You're going to put on a movie. You're not going to be checking your emails. You're going to be watching that movie. We used to do that with music back before it became so disposable. And uh, I miss those days. So I got the turntable, picked up Dark Side of the Moon, picked up Electric Ladyland by Hendrix. Good start there. Plugging in the headphones. 
and just and just sitting back. All right, cracking a few cold ones. Not a bad life. All right, so maybe it's a quarter life. Maybe it's a near mid life crisis. I do turn t- forty two on Saturday, but uh, uh, I'm doing it. I'm enjoying it. Go pick up some uh, some more uh, old school old school vibes there. But uh, that's it. That's it. I got nothing more for you. All right, yeah, you you you, you, you sucked it dry. Uh, BC is out.